If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He lifted me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings, and He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many will see it and fear and trust the Lord. I love the Lord. And I love what he has done in my life and what he has done through my life. Had he not rescued me when he did, I don't have any doubt that the family that I love and, and I'm so close to today would be broken and dysfunctional. Um, I would be very likely dead or incarcerated. But he reached way down and brought me way up. And I'm grateful for that. Ephesians has reminded me of what Christ has done. Where I was and where he brought me. And it has reminded me that although I can never repay him for what he's done for me, I can live a life that is worthy. I can live a life that honors him. I can live a life that exalts him among the world. He can use me, the song in my mouth, the way that I live my life, to bring other people to himself. This has been, for me, studying and maybe I hope it's been as profitable for you but it's been good for me to study the book of Ephesians those first three chapters that I had spent so very little time in throughout my ministry and I'll be honest the reason I went there is because I I kept asking people in counseling situations tell me who you are in Christ and and people were having a very hard time answering that question and that says something about my ministry too I need to help you identify who you are in Christ, what, what has happened, how has your position changed in this world because of what Christ has done for you. And those first three chapters just solidified for me um, who he is and what he's done and who I am in him. And those last three chapters talk about how that plays itself out in our life, what it looks like practically speaking. And uh, nearly every little section that we've looked at, that even though... Um, the word may not have been used in everyone. It, it's implied in every little section here that because of what Christ has done for us, we ought to walk worthy um, by living this kind of life for him. And um, we spent a good bit of time talking about how we can walk worthy. But as we close up this epistle today, I'm going to finish Ephesians today. Mitch is going to preach next Sunday. I don't know where we're going after that, but... Today's not about walking, today's just about standing. Today's not about moving forward or doing anything other than just standing against the advancements and assaults of the enemy in all of life's spiritual battles. If you look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand 
against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then Paul makes a specific request, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of them that love, my page turned, all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. I'm not going to say much about those last four verses, but let me, just, let me say this, and then we're going to move to the heart. of what, That was a kind of a closing statement, the closing out of the letter. Um, Paul knew, and then you see this in every one of his letters, not just Ephesians. Paul knew that he needed other people to help him do what God had called him to do. He knew that. And he also knew that those people needed him and his gifts and his callings to be able to become everything that Christ was calling them to become. They needed each other. And then you see that in every one of his letters. He gave thanks for people. He talked about their impact and their influence in his life. And he prayed God's blessings, God's grace, God's peace upon them. Um, as citizens of Christ's kingdom, I want you to know we're all in this together. We're all in this together. I need you and you need me and we need each other. And that's how we continue to grow in grace and knowledge. And that's how we become, we, we become who he has called us to be. As he used all of our gifts and abilities to help one another, to build each other up in the kingdom. But I want to talk to you this morning about standing strong. He said, having done all to stand. We have enemies. This ain't a profound message. This is something we need to be reminded of. We have, we have enemies. In fact, they're the enemies of all flesh and blood. Paul made it clear that our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are spiritual. Our enemies are, are, are outside of our ability to perhaps see most of the time. But their intent is to rob God of the worship that he's worthy of. We have enemies. They are spiritual enemies. They are enemies that are unseen, and so they, they very often function um, undetected by our natural senses. Now, we don't think about this enough. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think about it enough. But there are spiritual entities that are present in this room this morning that are not good, that are not godly that are not for us, but that are against us. We don't see them. We may not hear them. 
But they're actively at work in our midst to do everything that they can to distract us from worship to cause us to doubt God and His plans for our life. They're just actively at work all around us. There's a spiritual dimension to this world that's outside our sight, but it's very, it is just as real, just as present, operating just as fully as our physical bodies are in this building this morning. They're spiritual, so they're, they're unseen by our natural eye, but they're very, very present. There are a lot of them. There are many. And not just a few. Um, if you look in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it talks about in heaven that there is an innumerable company of angels. That the number of angels that are in heaven are innumerable. Um, we know because Revelation chapter 13, or chapter 12, verse 4 tells us that at least one-third of the created angelic realm fell from grace, followed Satan in his rebellion against God, and begin to work actively in opposition to God and His plan in the world. Now, we don't know how many angels there are. The Bible just calls them innumerable. There's some other places in the Bible where it talks about things being innumerable. The stars are said to be innumerable. The sand of the sea, that don't mean God don't know, but we don't know. The, the stars of the heavens, the sand of the sea... In one place it talked about locusts and how they would go forth and devour a land and that they were innumerable. The seas are full of creatures. We don't think about that, but the sea is full of life. And the Bible talks about all of the creatures of the sea being innumerable. And it says that evils that surround us are innumerable. We don't know how many demons there are in the world. We know there are more that are for us than there are against us, but we don't know how many that there are that are against us. When the Bible says a third of them were cast out of heaven, that's just a proportion that's not a number. We, all, we know that in one place in the Bible, there was one man that was possessed with what the Bible called a legion of demonic spirits. Literally drove him mad um, until he met Jesus. And all of those uh, demonic spirits were cast out, ran to a herd of swine. There were 2,000. Some suggest there must have been 2,000 demons, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. It just said there were a herd of 2,000 pigs, and they drowned themselves in the sea because those demonic spirits went into them. One of Jesus' most faithful followers was a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. The Bible said that seven demonic spirits had been cast out of her. Listen, this is Bible. There are wicked, evil, malicious, spiritual entities that fill this world whose primary purpose in being is to rob God of the worship that He's worthy of by attacking His people, by attacking those who would worship him on the earth. Not only are they spiritual, unseen, many, innumerable, but they are organized. Now, we, I'm not going to go get into a bunch of Greek because I don't understand it either. But when you see these words in verse 12 that says that we're, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, we're not fighting against each other, we're fighting against something that we can't see. And it called, it called them principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are positions of rank and order. Those are positions of rank and order. So I want you to understand, these, this spiritual these spiritual entities that are out there are organized. They are, they are in rank and in order, and they're working um, in an organized fashion against us. 
There's order in the angelic realm. There are, there are the cherubim that are around the throne of God. I believe that's probably the highest order of angels. Then there are the archangels, Michael and Gabriel. And uh, I think those are the only two mentioned in Scripture. But <clears throat> there are, there's rank and order in the angelic realm. And there's rank and order in the demonic realm. And you can see in the Scriptures that some of those are assigned over whole nations. Some of those are assigned over specific people groups. Some of them are assigned to individuals. I'm going to tell you, if you've never read it, it's one of the hardest books you'll ever read, but it'll be one of the most profitable books you ever read. The Scriptate Letters by C.S. Lewis, who write, he's writing from the perspective of um, a prince of demons to his nephew who is in training, and they refer to Satan as our father below. Um, but it gives you a little bit of idea about how this thing works and how these entities are coming against us in a very organized fashion um, to distract us and to cause us to doubt the nature of the character of God and his purpose for our life. We have enemies um, that are organized and that are powerful. In fact, you, you and don't misunderstand me. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not attacking anybody else when I say this. We're not supposed to go after them. They come after us. We're just supposed to stand. We're not going to destroy these powers that exist. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation, they're not going to be destroyed until Jesus destroys them. They're not going to be bound. They're not going to be held captive. They're not going to stop ruling and reigning on the earth as they are until Jesus comes back and with the sword of his mouth destroys them, cast them into the lake. The Bible says that was prepared for the devil and his angels. They're not going away. And our job is not to, to go find them, to search them out, and to do battle against them. They're powerful. We're not called to take them on. We're just called to stand against their advancements. I could, I, I could take you to a passage in the book of Jude. When the Bible talks about Michael the archangel, when he was contending with the devil about the body of Moses. That's an interesting story in the Scripture. But when Michael was contending with the devil about the body of Moses, the Bible said that Michael the archangel did not bring a railing accusation against Satan. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And so listen, I'm not, I, I don't have to go out into the world and, 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 and charge these enemies or take them on. What the scripture tells me to do is just take a stand against them. That I don't have to let them advance into my life. You don't have to let them advance into your life. We don't have to give them a foothold in our life. We don't have to open the door for them. We don't have to give them access. We don't have to let them distract us. We don't have to let them cast doubt into our heart and mind. We have been called to stand against their advances. And they're powerful. Don't discount their power, but they're not omnipotent. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Satan knows everything. He's not omnipotent. He's not God's evil co-equal. He's not Jesus' evil co-equal. He's not equal in any sense to God or to Christ. He is a created being, and although he is very powerful, he is not all-powerful. We don't need to give him more credit than he deserves. They are, however, master manipulators, and, and I wish you would read the Screwtape letters because you can see some of this stuff. C.S. Lewis has some incredible insight 
into how Satan is working in the world. We're not ignorant of his devices, but in many cases we are ignorant of his devices. They are master manipulators, deceivers, accusers. And what the devil does is takes the world and its systems and our own flesh and pits them against us to deceive us. So we have enemies, but here's the good news. We also have strength. We have been called to stand against these enemies, and we have the strength to do so. But that strength is not from me, and that strength is not from you. It's not in my, it's not in my ability. It's not in my wisdom. It's not in my performance. It's not in me to stand against the enemy, not in and of myself. What I have to stand against the enemy is that I need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then I can stand against the enemy. So I have strength from the Lord's presence. I have strength against the enemy when I have an intimacy and an awareness of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and my fellowship with Him. Now, um, I, wish I, I wish I knew some way to illustrate this to you, but you need to know who you are. We go back to the first three chapters. You need to know who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. And you need to cultivate an awareness of the presence of God in your life, the presence of Jesus in your life, and walk close to that presence. Because the closer you walk with Jesus, the more strength that you're going to have to stand against the enemy and all of his assaults. Um, and and you, you, you can see it all through the scripture. You don't think the enemy came against Paul. You don't think the enemy came against Peter. You don't think the enemy came against John. They, they, they cultivated an awareness of, of, their, of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They walked in fellowship with him, and they were overcomers of the enemy. They stood against him. They withstood him, and they stood strong against him. The closer you walk with Jesus, the more strength you're going to have to stand against the enemy's assault. And, 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 and you know, that's one reason I think we're, we need each other so much. The Bible says when we, walk in the, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Walking close to the church, walking close to other believers, walking close to Christ, all of those things help guard us against the enemy's assaults. You know, I appreciate Kenton's song this morning. Long black, we know what the long black, black train is about. It's about depression. That's what the song's written about. It'll creep into any of our lives. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil looks for us when we begin to separate ourselves. Y'all, I remember the old Mutual of Omaha um, animal movies. Y'all remember them? Y'all, some of y'all ain't, ain't got a clue what Mutual of Omaha is. But Marlon, what was his name? Marlon something. Per was it Perkins? I remember watching those movies, man. I used to, them, them wildebeests, they, when they was running in a herd... We couldn't much stop them. But you let one of them get separated off from the, from the, from the crowd. They were, they were, the hyenas were there. The, the lions were there. The predators were waiting on one of them to get separated from the rest. And, 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 and they worked hard to do that. They looked for the weak and they looked for those that had separated themselves. The, our enemy works the same way. There's strength when we're together. Um, we lift each other up. We hold each other accountable. We encourage each other. Um, we build each other. But when we begin to pull away from that, the enemy sees that opportunity and seizes upon it 
and begins to pull us further apart. And, 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 and then we have a hard time standing against him. But as we grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I think we receive a greater and stronger ability to recognize the enemy, to resist the enemy, and to overcome the enemy's tactics in our life. I can't stress this enough. I wish I could, I wish I could drive this home until you get it. If you want to overcome and stand against the enemy, you've got to cultivate your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to know him on a one-on-one basis. You've got to get up every morning and talk to him. You've got to spend some time in his word. You've got to have uh, an awareness of his presence in your life throughout the day because he will help you stand. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that you might be able to stand against the tactics and devices of the enemy. That's what Paul said. If you're not strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you're going to be an easy prey for Satan. But not only do we have, we, we have strength from the Lord's presence, but we have strength from the provisions that he has given to us. Now, I, we, when you talk about the Lord's presence, he's either in your life or he's not, all right? When you talk about the armor of God, there's an imperative in this, in this text that says we have to put it on, which means that we have to make an intentional effort every day of our lives to get up in the morning and put on the armor of God. We got his presence with us. We need to cultivate an awareness of that presence, but then we need to also put on the armor that he has provided for us that's available to us. And listen, you can read commentaries. I've read, I've read several different sermons that guys from way back wrote and some, some, uh, some of my friends have preached on the subject and, and I read some of what they... I don't know that anybody knows actually what every one of these pieces of armor represent. We all speculating because it didn't spell it out for us with the exception of one. We know what it is and that is the sword of the Spirit. Um, but but just, just look at... I, I believe Paul is chained probably to a Roman soldier or at least... In proximity to one, he's looking at, he's in bonds. He wrote this letter from prison. He's looking at a Roman soldier and he's like, if I want to stand against the devil, I need to suit up. I need to put on the Lord's armor. And so he said the first thing that we need to do is put on the belt of truth. There's a reason I think that he started there. In the Roman's armor, the belt held everything together. Everything was attached to the belt. The sword was attached to the belt. The breastplate was attached to the belt. It's the central piece of the Roman soldier's armor. But the belt of truth. Deception is, the, deception is the enemy's favorite tool. He'll always come in with a little bit of truth and weave a lie into it. In fact, if you look at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, Satan's quoting scripture to Jesus. And he's taking it out of its context and, and, and challenging Jesus to do some things to prove who he is. He's a, he's a scripture twister. Uh, when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, it was, it was, did God really say? Is that what he really meant? Or is he holding out on you? Deception. Deception that's designed to introduce a little bit of doubt into our mind. And, and so the belt, the belt of truth, and I, here's what I believe that means. This is my take on it. I believe we've got to look at this whole world through the lens of this book. There are people that look at this world through a secular, humanistic worldview. And there are people that look at this world through the Bible. We as Christians got to look at this world through the Bible. 
This book tells us who God is. This book tells us who we are. This book tells us what God's plan and purpose for us. It tells us even how the things are all going to come together at the end and God's going to establish His eternal kingdom forever and forever. We've got to look at this world through the lens of Scripture. It is the belt of truth. And if it don't line up with the Word of God, we need to reject it. If, if, if He comes at us uh, causing us to question the character and nature of God, we need to go back to the book and see what the book says about God. We need to put on that belt of truth. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what I believe that means is that we pursue personal purity in our lives, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, that we pursue personal purity. Are you doing that? You know what? I, I take a look at my life every year um, and look back and say, where have I grown and where do I need to grow? Um, where, what has God done in my life this year that is visible to me that I know about? And what are some areas in my life that I'm still falling short? And I'm telling you, we fight a battle up here sometimes. But do you, do you get up in the morning and say, and say, Lord, help me to bring my thoughts captive today. When I begin to think outside of your will and your way, bring my thoughts captive and make them pure. Don't let me think lustful thoughts. Don't let me think hateful thoughts. Don't let me think thoughts... Um, that are malicious or that are bitter or that are unkind, that are unloving. Don't let me think that way. I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want to be pure in the way that I think. I want to be pure in the way that I speak. I want to be pure in the way that I live. Um, one old man, that uh, Brother Raymond Altman used to be a, he was a licensed minister in the church. He prayed, um, when he prayed in public, it used to annoy me as a child, but I've come to appreciate it. But he would say, one of the things he would always pray is, Lord, give me a pure, pure, pure. Sometimes he would say it eight or ten times in a public prayer. Give me a pure heart. Make my heart pure. That's the breastplate of righteousness. I want, I want my heart to be pure because when my heart is pure, my mind will be pure. My words will be pure. My deeds will be pure. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. I believe that means that we, are, we ought to be ready to proclaim Jesus. Who he is and what he has done. And if, and if you look at those three, just those first three, um, I think those three are the safeguards of our mind, the safeguards of our, of our heart and our will, and the safeguards of our lips. Um, they keep our lives centered up on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last three, shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. What is faith? Um, I believe if you read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see this. Faith is believing that God is. You believe there's a God? Faith is believing that God is, that He's real, that He's there. Faith is believing what God says. And then faith is taking what God says and making application of what he says to our life. That's a three, threefold dimension of faith. God is, I believe that God is, I believe what God said, and I take what God said and I make application of it to my life. That's how we take up the shield of faith. We trust in God, we trust God, and we walk in obedience to what he said. Take the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> I believe that's our assurance. I believe you got to know that you're saved. I think you got to settle that, folks. And that ain't, that ain't, it ain't my job to settle that for you. I'm, I, I'll be honest, early in my ministry, early in my Christian life, I wrestled with assurance of salvation. 
until I got in the book and I didn't know I didn't never have a man sit down and tell me that I was saved and this is how I know that that I'm saved I just read the book and asked the Holy Spirit to check me I examined myself to see whether I'm in the faith and I'm gonna tell you I'm assured I'm secure I am saved my name is written in the Lamb's book of life he loves me with an everlasting love there's nothing that can separate me from that I am assured I put on the helmet of myself I fail him every day I fall short every day but I'm a child of God and ain't nothing gonna change that assurance a helmet of salvation and then the sword of the Spirit and he told us what that is the only piece of the armor he really told us what it is it's the Word of God a knowledge and application of the Word of God is how we defeat the enemy you know every for every time the devil brought Jesus a lie from God's Word Jesus brought him the truth from God's Word every time Jesus responded to the devil he says as it is written if we're gonna defeat the devil the only offensive part of our armor only weapon that we have is the sword of the spirit so we got enemies we also have strength not ours but his and we can stand I, I, I like you know Paul talked about how bad it was he, t he called it an evil day. And can I tell you, we still live in an evil day. In fact, if you read the Bible, it says that it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And I think it is. I mean, there are more, there are more temptations out there right now. Um, I, I, these young people are faced with things that I never dreamed about when I, were there, when I was their age. They're being bombarded. The prince of the power of the air is at work through social media, through... Um, through the internet, he's at, he's at work. There are, there are deceptions abounding like never before. Used to, you had to be in the presence of somebody to hear their deception, but now you ain't got to be in their presence. You just got to have a device in your hand. And, and it's everywhere. I mean, they're being bombarded with this stuff. But, but, the, but the Apostle Paul said that we can stand in the evil day. We can stand. If, if all hell comes against us, if evil days are surrounding us, we can withstand and having done all to stand. Now, I'm not going to go, I'm, I'm not going to get bogged down right here, but here's how we do that, prayerfully. After he told us to put on the armor, he said, you need to be praying. Now, here's what prayer does. It, prayer is where visible meets invisible. It's, it's where we take whatever we're facing in our life we're fighting in flesh and blood arenas, but we're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And, 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 and when we pray, we bring our problems into the presence and power of God and ask Him to solve them. And Paul said we ought to pray always. We ought to pray always. We, we, can, we can stand when we stand prayerfully. Um, we can stand when we stand perceptively. Look at that word. He said, watching thereunto. Um, I look, if you look those words up, um, the Spirit, if, you, if you're spending time in prayer, if you put on the whole armor of God, if you're cultivating an awareness of the presence of Christ in your life, He will make you perceptive as to the tactics and devices, the temptations 
of the enemy. He can help you clearly perceive the work of the devil in your life. Now, y'all know Mitch and I are good friends, and even though Mitch gets on my nerves with his stuff sometimes, um, I'll say something, and, he, and Mitch will say, who told you to say that? And I'm like, I told me to say that. And he said, no, that ain't you. I, I, I'm glad Mitch is there in my life. Mitch can call me and ask me anything. Put me on the spot anytime. I know he's my friend. I know he's for me, not against me. I know he's trying to help me, not hurt me. But the Holy Spirit will do the same thing for me that Mitch is doing for me if I listen to him. And uh, he'll help me recognize the work of the enemy in my mind, in my heart, in my life. And rather than fighting people, rather than fighting situations and circumstances i can go to battle against the one i can stand against the one that is behind it all we can stand persistently he said that we can persevere in faith and obedience we can consistently stand against and withstand the enemy we can stand personally i like that paul said that we ought to be all praying for each other we ought to all be praying for each other I can pray for me, and I can pray for you, and you can pray for you, and you can pray for me. And together we're helping each other. And, and Paul, Paul, Paul said, I want you to pray on my behalf. I want you to pray um, for me that I can be an overcomer, and I'm going to pray for you that you'll be an overcomer. And then we can pray purposefully. Paul said, I want you to pray for me that God will give me opportunities to proclaim his word, that he'll give me boldness to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said we can we can stand we can stand against all the wiles of the devil against all the demons of hell we don't have to give them a foothold in our life we don't have to let them win victories over us we don't have to let them take from us what belongs to us we can stand against them so, so let me just ask you this question. Are you standing strong? Are you standing strong? You know, I've, I've mentioned this several times the last couple months, and, 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 and I guess it's because I've never been so aware, maybe. There are some things, I'm not going to go into detail. I, I'm usually pretty transparent with you. But I don't have to give you all the details. In fact, sometimes I think when Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh, he didn't tell us what it was because if he told us what it was, we'll say, well, I ain't got that thorn. He don't know what kind of thorn I got. He don't know nothing about it. But let me tell you something. There are some things that have plagued my life for years, mainly in, the, mainly in this region up here, where I could fool I mean, I could put on a front for anybody around me, but I was in a battlefield in my mind with junk that was ungodly. And I would hate myself for that. You know what? I would, I would, I would, I would like, you know what? You, you, you're a child of God and a preacher of the word. How does that even get in your head and get stuck there? And then the, the old enemy, he heaped that guilt and that shame on. But I'm going to tell you, when I, when I really begin to take those things to the Lord and begin to pray about, Lord, 
Help me guard my thoughts. Help me guard this mess that goes on in my head that distracts me, that tempts me, that messes with me. And I just, you know, several, two or three months ago, I just woke up with an awareness that, have you noticed you're not struggling with that like you used to? Have you noticed that there's, a, that there's an old carnal part of you that's been crucified and buried? And, and, I, and, I, and I've become, since then, aware of some other things that, and I, the, the, the Lord is just rooting out. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling, don't, don't, don't take me wrong. I have not arrived. The Apostle Paul said, in Philippians, I, I haven't got where I want to be yet. I'm not there. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. But I'm pressing for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we all ought to be doing every day of our life. Are you standing strong? Do you want to be? I want to be. I want to be. I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I want to get up every morning and put on the armor so that I can stand against the wiles of the devil. I don't believe that He intends for us to live weak lives. I don't believe that He intends for us to live anemic lives. I don't believe that He intends for us to live defeated lives. I don't believe that He intends for us to live fearful lives. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is a victor and that He wants me to be a victor. And I don't believe there's enough devils in hell to stop the work that he wants to do in me and through me. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, the Jesus that lives in me can conquer and overcome every enemy that comes against me. He's provided me what I need to stand strong. I can, you can, we can. We have everything that we need to be victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the enemy will go to work on you before you walk out of this building this morning. Jesus talked about how the sower sowed seed. Remember that first batch of seed that he sowed? And the Bible said that the fowls came and devoured up the seed. Never brought forth any fruit. He interpreted that parable like this. Seed is the word of God. It's always good. But sometimes when it's scattered, the enemy comes along just as quickly as it's scattered and begins to take it away. Because he don't want it to produce fruit in your life. But we got a choice this morning, I believe, to receive that seed into a good heart. God, I believe your word. I believe what it says. I believe I'm going to apply it this morning. Because when I apply it, that's when it brings forth fruit. He wants us to stand strong. He wants us to make a difference in this world that we live. And there ain't a demon in hell capable of stopping us 
if we're standing strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, this is, this is one of those subjects, one of those passages of Scripture that we could spend just a long time getting deeper and deeper and deeper in. This is just uh, these little simple truths this morning. We, we need to know that there's an enemy out there. Being ignorant of the fact that he's working around us doesn't do us any good. Won't help us defeat him in any way. We need to see. We, we spend a lot of time fighting against each other when really the, the enemy is not my brother, not my sister, not my neighbor. Help us to recognize the enemy. But help us also see, God, that you've given us in Jesus everything that we need. In our relationship with him and our fellowship with him. And all the resources and provisions that he's given to us. We can stand. And, 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 and we can be victorious. And we can make a difference in this world that we live in. I pray that you'd help us to do I believe there's some folks in here today that are fighting some very real spiritual battles. In their heart and in their mind, they might have hit them just like I did. But those thoughts are camped out there. There's a foothold. I pray this morning they'd be delivered from God, we want to be strong. We want to be powerful. We want to be overcomers. And I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name this morning to do that. I know it's not an evangelistic message, so to speak, but your word says that um, if people's minds are blinded to the truth, it's because of the enemy. The God of this world has blinded them. Lest they should see the truth and believe. And be saved. But your word also says, but God. Can shine light. Into our darkness. Give us knowledge of himself in the face of Jesus. And I remember the moment that that happened for me. When the light just came pouring in. And right behind the light, the love. And right behind the love, the forgiveness and the freedom that only Jesus can bring. So if there's somebody here today that's lost, in Jesus' name, I pray that the light of the gospel would just come pouring into their life. They believe it and receive it and be saved. Have your will and your way in this invitation. Do whatever you want to do and it'll be good because you only do good work.
praise and glory for it. Amen.